Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be skate. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Oh, Republicans continue massive voter suppression. Where do we show you this video out of Georgia where this white Republican goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I never heard anything about packing. I don't know what you're talking about. Lying. We'll talk to a state rep there uh, who busted them for lying. Uh, And also, they're denying black folks uh, out of the state of Louisiana. How is a third of the state of Louisiana black and they got one member of Congress? Yeah, this is a major issue uh, all across the country. We'll talk about that, uh, folks. Uh, We'll also talk about um, a brother who was hired as the head coach of Miami Dolphins. Um, Why was he so tortured when he was asked about being half black? What did we show you his response? Bruh, just say you have lived a white life. It's all good. We won't get mad at you. A lot of more stuff we're going to cover. Uh, it's coming up next. Time to bring the funk of Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Sun Network. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the find. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling.
All right, folks, uh, we've been covering uh, and telling you about all the voter suppression happening across the country. Check this out in Georgia. There was a state house hearing uh, where they were uh, talking about redistricting and, you know, the changes that have been going on. And, and listen to this exchange that um, you're going to bust out laughing uh, when, when, when you hear it. So just roll take. Okay. Um, the second question I have is that, again, with the packing and cracking, when you've got a population and you decide to um, decrease the amount of folks in that um, minority group within a map, it's called cracking. This map, if you do your homework, looks like, again, we've got packing and cracking. So under the map that the um, Board of Commissioners submitted and they that they want it passed for the General Assembly, we see that in District 3, you they had 21% um, black vote. But in your map, you've got 9% black vote. So that's packing. And then, I'm sorry, cracking. And then in District 2, that is now packed because black voters went from 19% to 34%. Do you want to speak speak to how you made those decisions? This is a map uh, I've never heard of packing and cracking. Um, that's what the courts call it. You can, If you do your homework, that's what the courts call it. And okay. it's historic. It's been done with black communities specifically. Wow. Okay. It is historic. That, you can take a look at, at the, the, the districts up there as they're drawn. They were drawn to be over smooth lines, over roads and so forth. There are some split precincts, just like there are for the Board of Education map. Um, I, I, I don't know how to answer your question other than that. You never heard of it. Where you been the last 40 years? Okay, then there was another meeting where these white Republicans are losing their mind. Roll it. Thank you for offering that, Representative Wynn. Um, we did offer this, and I do believe um, after your comments on Tuesday, Monday, we were encouraged when you said, go work this out. We did not work it out because we offered. I said, we can meet any time, and we were shown the door. Um, there was no public meetings. Whether you live in Cobb or whether you don't, the majority is 6'6". Six, six. So you're going to give me two minutes, and I, and I appreciate the two minutes. You're going, to, you, you're going to give me two minutes like you did the other day. And I offered. I came to your desk. And, then, you know, so I'm going to let Terry speak, because right now I'm just disgusted at this chamber. Disgusted. I would and be I think, very, well, no, very no, careful. Say, let me hear me out. No, hear you're going to listen to me. No, I'm not going to listen to you, because I'm okay. tired of you talking. Come on. That's ridiculous. You're out of order. You are out of order. White members Will you please pause? They're fighting three up in there. I dare you. So, all we're asking is that we get the same respect that you white members get. Oh my God. So, <laughs> let me just be very clear. Let's go. Go ahead. Please. We have security on the way. Please pray the Lord. Wow, call secure, security on the Georgia State Rep. Joining us right now are Georgia Representatives David Wilkerson as well as uh, Renita Shannon, uh, who is running for Lieutenant Governor there. So, so is this simply a continuation of Republic, white Republicans in Georgia uh, advancing the big lie, trying to limit black power, uh, trying to advance the redrawing of districts, 
that also uh, deny African-Americans uh, full participation in the political process. Absolutely. So what, what we've seen Republicans do is across the state of Georgia in counties that have historic black representation, they are going in and they are working overtime to do racial gerrymandering to dilute the black vote. And so in Cobb County, which I'll let Representative Wilkerson talk about uh, what he was speaking against when he was when they called security on him in that county, they for the first time, it's been exactly one year for the first time in its history, have a black woman chairperson for the board of commissioners. And so what you see is historic representation in counties across the state, historic representation in the way of black leadership, and you see Republicans coming in and trying to dilute black voters through packing and cracking to regain some type of foothold in these counties. Yeah, that's Wilkes, correct. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, what you're seeing here is just the typical playbook where we have to abide by one set of rules, and then when the situation changes, they have a completely different set of rules. Uh, there have been over 200 bills that were introduced in the 2000 after the 2010 census. All of those were handled by the local delegations that were in the majority. However, this year, um, once again, all the bills are being handled by the local delegations, except for Cobb and Gwinnett, two counties that are run by African American women, and the counties have changed to Democratic. And the only excuse they have is we can do it. That's it. Not the rules, not anything else, except the fact that they said they can do it. And so, I mean, you're at the podium, and she calls security? Yeah. You know, I have been here 12 years. I've been involved in politics probably since the 90s. I've never seen um, – I've never thought that I would be in this situation. I mean, I've seen my colleagues um, now, Congresswoman Nakima Williams, get dragged off. I've seen uh, my colleague, uh, Park Cannon, get taken away. And I never thought that – by saying that I was disgusted, would call for someone to bring security. And that was after she threatened me and told me I better be careful. So I think that um, times have changed. And as my colleague that's standing next to me, uh, you know, Terry Nolan said, it's fear that's driving them, fear causing them to act outside of what they normally would do. And, and I don't think they can handle the change that they're seeing. Well, uh, Representative Shannon, that's the thing. Look, I got a book coming out in September. It's called White Fear. I said how the changing demographics is making white folks lose their mind. Uh, and mm -hmm. so this is about holding on to power. This is about them uh, not liking the fact that they have to share power, that uh, in Georgia you, you, you had uh, the massive effort uh, to register as many folks uh, as possible. And all of a sudden now uh, they can't handle um, you know, uh, this, this process, uh, I was looking at, I'm going to pull it up in a second. Uh, I was, um, as I was, before I came in, I was looking on social media and, uh, in Louisiana, uh, the Republicans, uh, there in their state Senate, uh, have, adv have advanced a particular bill, uh, that will limit, uh, so Louisiana has six congressional districts. Uh, black folks are still only going to have one, even though African-Americans make up one-third of the entire state. They're packing, to your point, mm -hmm. packing them in that one district of Congressman uh, Troy Carter. Absolutely. And so I have served on this committee, Governmental Affairs, since being elected in 2017. And this committee deals with election law. And so we've seen nothing but voter suppression bills come through this committee. And this has been their strategy all along. They have been increasingly afraid of the growing diverse population that is uh, mostly black in Georgia. And they are really fearful they're going to lose power. I mean, just to sum it up for the type of people that we've been dealing with on this committee, 
we've got one representative that looks like every quintessential character in a 1960s movie about black people trying to get the right to vote. And he is that white dude trying to stop them from getting the white to vo the right to vote. He talks like these characters, acts like these characters, and is art architect of many of these bills. You know, the, the thing that, uh, that really stands out here, Representative Wilkerson, um, is they're very, now they're very brazen and open. And this is all because of the Supreme Court's ruling gutting Section 4 of the Voting Rights Act. The moment that happened, Chief Justice John Roberts, who wrote, hey, what's the big deal? Black people have been voting in great numbers, so clearly this thing is working. We can now get rid of it. It was that decision in 2013 that just led the way for them to say, oh, we're about to go full steam ahead to screw over black voters. You're right. And, you know, the only thing that saved us back in 2002 when another Earhart dropped a bill that had diluted voting strength was the Voting Rights Act, Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act. And it's 20 years later, we're still dealing with the Earharts when it comes to Cobb County. It's another one, but we're still dealing with them. And so you're right. They, there's two groups of people that are at the Capitol. There's one that just don't care. They admit who they are, and they're pushing these laws and to disenfranchise people of color. Then you have another group of people who say that they're good people, but they just let it happen. And I remember having a conversation with one saying, what would you have done back in the 60s? If I was getting my head beat, if, if I was physically getting, getting assaulted, what would you have done? And they said, I would have stepped in. And I said, you don't know that. You don't know what you would do until you're in that situation, because now you have a chance to step in and you're not doing it. And so while you work to fight bad laws, you're also working to change the lens that people see it through. If you're a 50-year-old, 60-year-old, even a 40-year-old white male, you're not going to know what it's like to live as an African-American, where you've spent your whole life playing with a different set of rules. And so to try to get to the change that lens takes a lot of work. But at the same time, you can't give up that fight. Well, you, you can't do that. And the bottom line is what we're dealing with with folks. Um, if it was the 50s or the 60s, they wouldn't have stepped in. Because you know what? Folks then didn't step in. They, they were afraid of that. They were afraid of... Uh, their own family members. Uh, I, I'm, I'm reading the story of the book right now, Will Haygood's book on uh, the confirmation battle uh, of Thurgood Marshall. And that was, uh, a, that was a, a federal judge who uh, believed in white supremacy. Uh, uh, he was in elected office until he became a federal judge. And when he mm -hmm. became a federal judge, he began to uh, rule against white supremacists. They literally ran him and his wife out of the state of South Carolina, uh, and they moved to New York uh, because they said, how dare you rule against us in favor of black folks? Uh, and so uh, there were very few people who were like that. That's what we are, we are still dealing with because those folks had children, and those folks have grandchildren, and they're passing those things down, and that's what we're seeing. So we appreciate both of you keeping up the fight uh, and uh, keep battling. Thank you. All right. Thank I appreciate you. it. Thank you so very much. I want to bring in my panel right now, uh, Dr. Greg Carr, uh, of course, Afro-American Studies, Howard University, host of The Black Table uh, on Roland Martin Unfiltered, Black Star Network, and Reese Cobra, Black Women Views. And uh, congratulations to Reese. She uh, announced today uh, she is uh, a new contributor uh, on Sirius XM Radio's, uh, on, their, on, their, on their black channel, the Urban View. So congratulations, uh, Reese. Glad to have uh, both of you as well. So let's, uh, let's get right into this here. Uh, and that is, you know, these, what is happening. Again, I keep making the point. 
white fear is driving this. And this is no time to play footsie. This is no time for us to sit here uh, and be cute with these folks. Uh, we've got to be as hardcore as possible uh, because uh, you know they see what's going on. And when you look at what's happening, you've got, you know, in Texas, you've got Latino women uh, who are driving numbers towards Republicans uh, uh, in South Texas. Uh, you got, look, you got Latinos who are white Hispanics, uh, who identify with white as opposed to who identify with brown. I mean, these things are happening right now. Uh, and so, uh, you know, w this is no time for us to be playing games. And, Reese, no time for some of these black people who I keep hearing, man, I'm not voting, this stuff don't matter. And I'm sitting there going, so all that stuff you rattle off that you care about, all these folks who be sending me uh, tweets asking me why am I not covering reparations every single day? Wait, when are we? I got I got some dude sitting me a tweet yesterday. I ain't heard from his ass uh, when he was like, but uh, uh, Biden them name passed no specific bills for black people. And I went, okay, name the specific bill you want to see passed. His ass ain't ain't responded yet. Now all the people keep saying that. I'm trying to understand how you gonna get any of that if you don't vote. Exactly. I mean, as I've said so many times on this show, the Republicans have an all of the above, leave no stone unturned approach. They don't want to just stop you from voting, but then when they when you do vote, they want your vote to be as diluted as possible. And so we have to stop only looking towards the president and the vice president or the executive branch or even Congress to wave a magic wand and solve all of our issues. These board meetings, should, if they're open to the public, should be overran. If they're not open to the public, then people should be outside protesting. People should be lighting up the phone lines of these elected officials. People should be running for some of these positions as well. And so as long as people are on Twitter and on Facebook and Instagram or focused on crack pipe lies and BS and things to distract you, instead of focusing on what's happening at the local level, then the Republicans will continue to roll all over us, despite the fact that in terms of demographics, their power should be diminishing but it's not. And we're only abdicating our power to them when we call ourselves protesting the vote or being complacent and saying that we don't think it's a big issue. Well, clearly they do. And they are getting more and more successes and they're rigging the game more. And unfortunately, as crazy as it sounds and as much as people don't want to hear, the only way that we start to make a dent in it is if we vote in larger numbers. And we have to have a little bit more of a long lens, the same that Republicans do. They vote for the next 10, 20, 30 years. They don't just vote for what you did yesterday or what you promised to do tomorrow. They vote for a generation of policies. And we have to start realizing that's what's at stake in every single election. You know, Greg, um, there's a... One of my all-time favorite movie scenes is from The Untouchables. Um, and there is this scene where Sean Connery and Kevin Costner uh, are in a church. And Costner is angry because they have been embarrassed uh, by uh, Al Capone. And he says, I want to get the man. And then Costner said, uh, Connery says, well, what are you prepared to do? That's right. And then the Kevin Costner says, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. He says, then what are you prepared to do? And he right. says, one of them comes at you with a knife, you have a gun. One of them, they send one of yours to the hospital, you send one of theirs to the morgue. That's, That's the right. Chicago way. That's how you get Capone.
when I when I listen to folks, um, when we when we do do these stories, when we have these guests, and people go, man, see, you see how how they denying us, and I'm sitting there going, okay, clearly, but you ain't read a history book. That that <laughs> is the reality of being black in this country. When we look at the Brian Flores lawsuit and what's happening, forcing the hand. I, I, I can go on and on and on, the fight that we're having when it comes to getting advertising dollars, even when black people uh, are in these places uh, and over the money. You can't show me anything in American history that black people have gotten that we did not get by force. We did not mm -hmm. get by demanding. We did not get by protesting. We did not get by showing up and, yes, launching boycotts, yelling, cussing, and screaming at the folks, and, yes, burning shit down. All of that is the reality. And so what I don't, what, what I, what, so what's amazing to me, people, who need to understand, we see what's about to happen. We see what they're trying to do for November. We see what they want to do for 2024. And all the folks who acted like, oh, January 6th uh, was no big deal. No, no, no. That was a dry run. That was real. And they're coming back. That's right, Roland. That's right. And uh, to that Klan-adjacent senior senator from Kentucky, Mitch McConnell, who is now, with his slimy ass, trying to adjust his rhetoric ever so slightly so that, having thrown the rock, he may try to hide his hand, tie that Klansman to his kindred who raided the Capitol in January 2021, because we've seen this show before. Uh, it's a simple formula. We heard it from Representative Shannon and uh, Representative Wilkerson. Uh, it is voter suppression plus gerrymandering equal white minority rule. Uh, we've seen this show before. Uh, and I love that you used that example from the early uh, moments of the Untouchables film, because we know that Sean Connery repeats that phrase near the end when his life is being lost. And in the moment of his death, he says, what are you prepared to do? We know when we face the 1960s, or for that matter, the 1860s, that a lot of people died. And there are people who said, well, people didn't die for the right to vote. No, they died in a freedom struggle. Voting is a tool. It's not, an, it's not a destination. It's an objective. Mm -hmm. Let's not confuse the tactic with the destination. What are we after? But the simple fact of the matter is, and, and, and you're exploring this in, in the book, in White Fear, I'm sure. Can't wait to read it because, you know, we've we've seen a lot of your book previewed over these years as you've chronicled these stories. These people are driven by fear, voting and working against their own material interests. Uh, Derek Bell called it interest convergence. The people who are talking about, I'm against CRT. Well, here's a basic <laughs> element of critical race theory. Derek Bell articulates the fact that everything that black people have fought for in this settler state, when we've won it, it's also benefited you, you stone cold racists. So that hillbilly, that Klansman who uh, perhaps doesn't understand packing and cracking because it has letters in it, they form words, and clearly he's illiterate. <laughs> um, so I wouldn't expect him to know the 2003 Georgia case that went to the Supreme Court, Georgia versus Ashcroft, uh, where the Georgia folk uh, sued because, or they appealed the case, and on a 5-4 decision, the Supreme Court said, when you distribute black people 
across these congressional districts, you are not diluting the voting strength. You're putting them in places where their voting strength may be enhanced. Now, here's the, the horns of dilemma. This is where it comes to the horns of dilemma. Because Senator O'Connor says this, not only in that case, but in the North Carolina cases, Shaw versus Reno and such. Would you rather have packing, meaning you're going to have a congressional district or an area or a school district, school board district, where you're guaranteed to have someone who looks like you represent you if you vote relative to the percentage of black people in that district? Or would you rather have black people distributed across districts in enough of a plurality to be able to influence and shape all of the elections. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a question that we could debate. But what they are doing, and I saw in the Texas Tribune this uh, this afternoon, Roland, out there in your home county, Harris County, where my sister and them are, you know, they are already rejecting hundreds of mail-in ballots yep. that have been mailed in without proper ID. And unfortunately, these are Democrats, Democratic control Harris County. Those election officials cannot by law, thanks to these white nationalists, even right. accept those. So they're trying to get them back to the people and say, put your and, ID in. And, and can't this tell them. And can't tell them, Roland. Can't that, tell them. That was by design. Absolutely. No, and, and, and really, that's the point. And, and the only other point I would make is, when that dried up uh, shadow of a human threatened Wilkerson, uh, you better watch yourself. That is the language that uh, those two killers uh, said to Emmett Till as they were taking his life and throwing him in the Tallahatchie River. You better watch yourself. And then she calls the damn police. We've seen that before. Henry McNeil Turner in the 1860s. Every march and protest we've had. And I'm so glad that uh, Sister Shannon evoked, uh, and Wilkerson evoked Nakima Williams, evoked Park Cannon. Because when these stormtroopers show up with their little manhood in their tiny hands, trying to empty their phallocentric worldview onto us, what you said, Roland, finally, is where we are. Stephen Marsh just wrote his book, The Next Civil War. They are prepared to kill us. So the question is, what are we prepared to do? Voting is a tool. But if you're not going to let us vote, do you really think we're going to let you have a country? We know what's coming next. We're trying to save your ass as well, not as our primary objective, but it would be the result. But you can't get over your fear. And if you think stopping us from voting is the worst thing that can happen to us, <laughs> we've seen this show before. Nuck if you buck. You're not ready for what comes next. Folks better realize in turn exactly what is going on. All right, y'all, we got to go to break. We come back. We're going to talk inflation. Um, Republicans are ecstatic. They're saying, oh, goodness, we're going to be able to knock out Democrats because of rising inflation. But you do know rising inflation is driven by an increase in prices. Government ain't got nothing to do with that. You know who's doing that? Companies. Why are they doing it? So who you should you really be upset with <coughs> and penalized when it comes to rising inflation? We'll break it down next on Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network.
Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show, Get Wealthy, focuses on the things that your financial advisor and bank isn't telling you, but you absolutely need to know. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. chair take your seat the black tape with me dr greg carr here on the black star network every week we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in join the conversation only on the black star network non-voting is a fruitless temper tantrum judge bruce wright Labor Statistics says the consumer price index rose 7.5% in the 12 months ending in January. That's the highest annual increase since February 1982. From housing to furniture to used cars to medical costs, prices have increased across the board. Today, President Joe Biden says he will work like the devil to lower prices. Inflation is up. It's up. And coming from a family, when the price of gas went up, you felt it in the household. You knew what it was like. It matters. But the fact is that if we are able to do the things I'm talking about here, it'll bring down the cost for average families. Bring down the cost for average families. I don't know why they keep moving all that, but the fact is they keep down the cost for average families. And look, the fact is that we're in a situation now where uh, you know, you should have peace of mind. I know food prices are up, and we're working to bring them down. As I said, I grew up in a family where the price at the pump went up, you felt it. And I understand. But these things are necessities. We're working to bring down prices where they're not totally what the families, in fact, uh, have to pay now. You still have to pay for child care. Child care is a cost for millions of families. You still have to pay your prescription drug prices. You still have to pay for health care. You want to lower the cost of living for people, help them in those areas. So there's more than one way for a family when it comes to raising their standard of living. I'm going to work like the devil to bring gas prices down, which I'm going to work in to make sure that we keep strengthening the supply chains to bring the cost of energy and everything else and the goods that come to America down by helping the ports 24-7, by changing a whole range of things that, you know, what's happened with COVID, COVID has caused significant increase in prices in the supply chain. So uh, let's, um, let's talk about this here. Greg, I, I want to start with you. So um, if anyone who listens to the uh, calls, uh, the quarterly calls of corporate America, they're all bragging about their price increases. Um, and to understand that, 
you're dealing with companies that got hit for the last two years, 2020 and 2021, dealing with COVID. Guess what? They want to recoup money. Second, uh, there's been a significant amount of spending, Republicans, in the four years of Donald Trump, and then the amount of money that went into our system due, due to COVID because trying to keep people in their homes who've also lost their jobs. And then what happened? Folks were sitting at home, guess what? Buying shit. So then you had shortages. Well, when people are buying stuff and you got shortages, guess what they're going to do? Jack the price up. I, I remember um, if I, uh, let me see, I have my bag right here. Let's see here. You go to wide shot there. And so we walk, here's a perfect example. Everybody who's listening. So this here is uh, is called a Cam Link card. Okay. Uh, this is this is a little card that uh, if you want to hook up your camera uh, to your computer uh, in order to be able to um, to live stream. Okay. So that's what this little this little device right here is. All right. Well, during COVID, this this device normally Elgato makes this thing. All right. This device normally costs $119. Well, because everybody named Mama was at home on Zooms, on Google Me, on Microsoft Teams, on hell, I mean, every single platform you can think of, WebEx, all of these different things, there was a, there was a shortage of these. Well, because of COVID, the manufacturing plants were closed that made these. So these suckers were scarce. These were selling for $1,000. $1,000. They normally cost $119. Could not find one for months. Right now in the country, if you want to go and get furniture, normally you would go into a store, buy some furniture, back the truck up, boom, you can load it. Now they're saying, yeah, uh, that, that chair and the couch, uh, I mean... Matter of fact, Henry, give me a shot of our other set. So our plan, y'all, was to actually, uh, again, have a living room set over there. Well, we still going to do that, but they've already told me that it's going to be six to nine months to be able to get chairs and tables. Six to nine months. And so you have all these people out here who are saying, oh, uh, uh, White House, Democrats in Congress, you're at fault for this. But the last point also, Greg, is the Federal Reserve. Basically, for the last damn near decade, or since the financial crisis in 2008, money has been cheap. That's right. It's been cheap. So we've been living a false BS economy for the last, oh, 13 years because essentially you had free money, low interest rates, all of that. And so... People are going, oh, uh, this is who to blame. Actually, no, it's a very complex thing that happened here. You can't say one party is to blame. It's all of these things coming into play all at the same time. That's absolutely right, Roland. And in fact, all of these things, as you've shown over and over again on this network and on your shows, are connected. Let's be very clear. Government policy is driven by elected officials. Uh, that would mean you have to vote for them. The reason that we talk about the Shelby County case is because of, obviously, the Voting Rights Act. 
But three years before that, the Citizens United case, where John Roberts now shepherded in the flow of unrestricted money into political campaigns, the very people who are profiteering right now are picking the politicians. People say voting doesn't matter. Let's tie the two things together. What you've just laid out, and you started with that a, a second ago, this is a moment of unprecedented profits from corporate, the corporate world. They are profiteering, and with their profits, they are buying back stock. They're not turning that into better-paying jobs. They're not turning that back into investments in technology and equipment that might lead to lowering prices. The extreme inequality is the story. And so it's interesting, today's Financial Times, the, today's paper, there was an article, Higher Black Joblessness Tests Fed's Inclusivity Goal. The featured uh, interviewee was our friend and brother Bill Spriggs, who's been on this show many times in his role as the chief economist for the AFL-CIO. And Bill said the Fed is playing with fire. If they get it wrong, we are all in trouble. The we he's talking about is black America. The black unemployment rate is double the white unemployment rate right now. And what Bill is saying is, as we are brought back into the labor market, it isn't just getting a job, it's getting a good paying job. Meanwhile, you've got a, a buffoon, a clown, named Lawrence Summers, who stumbled into a Nobel Prize, former president of Harvard, who was secretary of the Treasury a few years ago, who's saying he's blaming the government payments. He's blaming the, blaming the stimulus checks. This man living in comfort. When the fact of the, re, of the reality is that our people, if the Fed raises these rates, slows down the easy money, guess who's going to take the L? The people who are out there working low-paying jobs or who won't take a job because the economy is still bad for them, who didn't have any money to save, who weren't sitting at home buying things because they didn't have anything to buy things with, who benefited from those child tax credits that we've heard recently talk, you talk about over and over again that will not be passed because the elected officials— it isn't a two-party system. The white nationalists have so choked off and made a stranglehold access to the ballot that people are saying we're blaming both parties. Is it really both parties? You don't have a majority in the damn Congress, and they bought Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema, which means there is no governing consensus to slow some of this stuff down. As you said, all of these moving parts are part of a whole. And we have to understand that lest we suffer the most as we're reading these headlines about slowing the economy when profiteering has run wild. You know, uh, here's a piece here that was uh, in the New York Times in November, Reese. It said, we shifted our spending towards stuff rather than services. Americans purchased 18% more physical goods, cars, washing machines, furniture, in September than they did in February 2020, while their consumption of services fell a bit. Because demand for such goods is off the charts high, while supplies are limited, they are more expensive. Many of us elected to stop working or work less. The number of people working remains smaller than it was, than it was pre-pandemic. The shortage of workers has led employers to offer higher wages to attract employees. That fuels price increases, even in services experiencing underwhelming demand like restaurant meals. So what you have is, on the political side, you have people who are just yelling and screaming, uh, oh, it's their fault that inflation has gone up. Put us in control. The reality is this. You put Republicans in control of the House or the Senate, it's not going to slow inflation. Um, economists have been on here that the Federal Reserve should have actually incrementally raised inflation. Ah! But here's that one thing that we don't want to actually confront as well, which politicians have to deal with but also the public. 
We love a roaring economy. People love the phrase, stock market, exploding, all these different things. But there's a, there's a, there's a natural reaction to low interest rates, the, the money that came through with the stimulus bills, and all of these different things. You, it, it's sort of like what I keep telling people. People say, uh, people say, man, made in America. You can't keep hollering the Walmart slogan, low, low prices. But then you want to holler, made in America, because the folk who making the products ain't going to be working slave wages. <laughs> and so I've long said to Amer Americans, you can't keep saying we need more stuff made in America, because you know what? The good is actually going to cost more. So Americans love to want, we love cheap stuff but don't want to pay the people who make the cheap stuff. But then we yell and scream to corporate America, why y'all taking the jobs out of America? You can't have both. You kind of got to pay for some stuff if you also want to pay the workers. And that is the struggle that people don't want to confront because they want low, low stuff. Yeah, I mean, the economic picture is very complex. And unfortunately, people just don't have an appetite for nuance or for a detailed explanation. For instance, when you say that the economy is good, if you look at the GDP, it's the best that it has been in 30 years. It's had record growth. And yet people say that the economy is bad. Why? Because of inflation. Well, why do we have inflation? It's for a number of reasons. Many of those reasons are actually things that we want. We want to see workers getting higher wages. We want to see people demanding products. So what we don't want to see is global supply chain disruptions. Unfortunately, that's inevitable because of the pandemic. And there are still many restrictions globally. So it, there's a lot of things that play into it. Some of it good that we want to continue to see happen. Some of it bad that we want to see resolved. And I think that the administration has done what they could in terms of, like, for instance, when the ports were backed up and uh, California, they kind of had all hands on deck. And we also have to realize that some of these things, as Dr. Carr pointed out and you pointed out, Roland, are about price increases for profit, you know? And some of them, the consumers and who are also the sellers are reaping the benefits. If you have a used car right now, a mm. lot of people are selling their used cars for more than what they even paid for it. Why? Because there's a chip shortage, which means that the cars being manufactured, new cars being manufactured, are coming out as quickly as the demand is for it. So people are turning to the used car market. And a lot of people aren't trying to sell their cars because they can't buy new cars. So it's there's a lot of things that are kind of creating this cycle that's contributing to inflation. But what we don't want is we don't want the political response that says that austerity is the solution. We're going to get increased in interest rates. That's going to happen, which means it's going to be a little bit more expensive for you to buy a house how, or even buy a car of your credit card bills. However, what we don't want is what the Republicans always scam the country into believing is that the government is overspending and we need to cut government funding. And where are they making the cuts? They're not making the cuts in the break and in, in, in the corporate uh the corporate taxes where these folks like Amazon are paying nothing. They're not they're not going to 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 increase their burden. They're going to increase our burden by cutting the services that we need. And so what we should be doing is we should be looking at the policies like build back better where even though it sounds counterintuitive because they're spending more money, they're giving more services, they're making things more affordable, 
health care, um, drug care, drug prescription care, child care, et cetera, et cetera. It actually has a beneficial impact on inflation. So this is a very complicated discussion and we have to be very careful. I understand that the impact is negative and that people don't enjoy paying more for gas or enjoy paying more for McDonald's or Chipotle or for milk or for bacon. But we have to understand that it's a very layered thing. We can't just look at one politician and say, solve it. And we can't just kick that politician out and say, all right, this new person is going to come in and wave a magic wand. So we have well, to be well, careful. And the last thing, I, and one more thing I want to say is, we also, to your point, Roland, we can't say nobody wants to work. And then you say, don't pay people. So there are right. so many things that that Cole will go into this. And we have to have the ability to listen with some patience and understand it instead of just always looking for the headline. Well, the thing here, uh, I'm glad you mentioned Chipotle, because uh, this is a perfect example. Um, this, you know, CNN reported an order of Chipotle cost about 10% more than it did one year ago. The restaurant chain said when reporting earnings on Tuesday. What they didn't also say is that since 2019, they've doubled the compensation of their CEO, who now <laughs> makes $38 million. Come on, come on, brother. That's right. 2,898 times more than the average worker at Chipotle. I mean, so, yo, seriously, there's a, there's a reason the CEO's compensation doubled. That's right. Because their profits went up. That's right. And they See, said that people are not even responding to the price increases. That's what they bragged on their earnings call. Well, we've increased our prices for over 6% over the past year, and we haven't had any resistance. And so, again, a lot of this is... And what corporate America does is like, hey, y'all ain't saying nothing? Raise it five more percent. Let's see how we can keep raising it, and then we'll see they respond. That's right. Roland, he, it's funny you say that because, again, and, and we're, we're all in the Black Star Network family. And, Reese, I'm so happy to hear that you're increasing your footprint over a series. That's so important. Where we spend our resources really has to do with trust. It has to do with our benefit. And every penny that is plowed into BSN, into Roland Martin Unfiltered, you give a running tally. So that confidence is there. What you just showed with Chipotle, that's not an outlier. So when we start thinking about solutions, we have to understand that, uh, as you say, Reese, if the White Nationalist Party is returned to power, they are immediately going to give your tax dollars to their corporate friends who bought the seats that they sit in. That's what they did under Trump. If you go back to the crisis of 2008 in the wake of that, Bill is talking about that in that Financial Times article. They are all constantly looking to squeeze every penny of profit out. So uh, right now, what's our strategy for moving ahead? We have to be serious and think, as you say, Reese, we have to be strategic in where we invest our, our resources. That means that we have to ignore these people who keep saying the economy is booming and it's your fault if, if you're not part of it. We have to, no, 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 no. What are the policies that are allowing this kind of theft to continue? And then finally, as we've been seeing this week with the firing of the workers at Starbucks who were trying to organize in terms of labor, with Amazon changing its propaganda, we're paying good money. The bottom line is this. These profiteers are terrified of organized labor and they're terrified of people beginning to pay attention. If you've got members of the Democratic Party who are still, and we see it in Build Back Better, we see it in members of Congress who are pushing to support organized labor, do not, 
do not look away from that movement simply because you want to pay less for your draws at Walmart. Because at the end of the day, those profiteers are going to try to make you confused to think that somehow supporting organized labor, paying workers more, will result in you paying more for your draws. You paying more for your draws because they've decided to see how much they can get away with gouging you. It has nothing to do with passing on the costs. They're profiteering. Uh, here are a series of um, uh, tweets that were sent out by uh, Lindsay Owens who is executive director of uh, Groundwork, uh, in, uh, of course, uh, and uh, it's called Groundwork Collaborative. And so this is what uh, she said. As you read, as you read today's inflation report, pay close attention to what the CEOs who set prices are saying. We got our hands on the latest batch of earnings reports, and it's a doozy. They're literally bragging about hiking prices while hiding behind inflation. The receipts. CEOs often speak more candidly on earnings calls held when a new report comes out in an effort to impress investors by bragging about their ruthless profit-rigging schemes. It apparently doesn't occur to them that the public might find out about them, for instance, the company 3M, which produces N95 masks and other things. They crowed on its earnings call that, that the team has done a marvelous job in driving price. Price has gone up from 0.1% to 1.4% to 2.6%. The CFO told investors, we see that to be a tailwind. Uh, the next tweet here uh, deals with, uh, of course, you see uh, the, the food item uh, right there as well uh, that, that they're showing. Uh, and uh, this one here, uh, same thing. When you talk about, uh, again, when you start going to uh, Kimberly Clark, it's a mega, mega, mega corporate corporation manufacturing everything from paper towels to diapers. Uh, on its recent earning call, the CEO crowed to investors about multiple rounds of significant price pricing actions and admitting he plans to continue doing it throughout the year. And so as you go on and on and on, so people who need to understand. Wall Street loves this. Yes. So, 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 so let, let, let me explain to y'all how media plays a role in this. If you turn to CNBC, Bloomberg, Fox Business, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, ABC, NBC, CBS, New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Los Angeles Times, Boston Globe, Chicago Tribune, Chicago Sun-Times, and on and on and on. This is what they do. It's stock markets on fire. Look at this, a 200-point increase today. My goodness, what's happening? This company here, amazing earnings report. It's hype. That's right. And you watch it. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Then it's stock market went down 400 points. What's going on here? Inflation is causing a problem. What happened to the hot economy? So, in essence, they are calling the stock market like a football game mm. or basketball mm. game. And you're watching and you're like, so, so let me just use a golf analogy. I love golf. Okay. You know what they love in golf? Birdies. Forget the skill set. We don't really want to watch a golf tournament where a lot of the professionals are struggling. 
and they might shoot three or four under to win, like at the U.S. Open? No, 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 no. They like 16, 18, 20 under. Birdies, <laughs> birdies, birdies, because we cheer. Right. Why should Barry Bonds be in the Hall of Fame? Why should Roger Clemens be in the Hall of Fame? Folks say, oh, they're taking steroids. Yeah, but folks love to see those home runs. They love to see those uh, strikeouts. They love to see, oh, runs, runs. Guess what? Major League Baseball thrived in the, Barry, in the uh, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire home run stake. Because we love to see it. It's the energy. It's the passion. All of this sort of stuff. It's the same thing economically, y'all. And so we don't like to hear that the economy is growing at a slow but steady rate. No. We want to see it booming. We want to see it going. All of these things. And politicians, they get to crow about it. Look at this, the GDP, how many jobs we created, on and on and on. And you say inflation, it's like, oh, my goodness, it's bad. All these different things. So at some point, we have to recognize that what is happening when it comes to our economy, the reality is this, y'all. We had a financial... And I, look, and look, I, 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 people who are impacted by rising food prices, I totally understand. But I need people to also step back and realize that what happened coming out of the financial crisis in 2008, 2009 how we just simply stripped everything down and mm -hmm. then said, have cheap money, flood the system, you're going to eventually have to start paying 2 and 3 and 4% for a damn loan. It can't be, it's not going to be 0.5% or 1% for forever. It just mm -hmm. simply can't. Something has to eventually end. But we have to be willing to challenge everybody who's a part of the problem when we're talking about what is happening economically. And to the point that Reese made is a, is a really important one, and that is this here. You can't say pay workers $15 an hour, but then you want your meals to be $1. Y'all, let me say it again. You can't yell cheap, 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 low, 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 but don't increase my prices, but I still want to pay $15 an hour. I'm just telling you, that's just not how business works because the person who's owning it is also not trying to go out of business. And so it's one of those things, and I, I've been saying this for years, Reese and Greg, that Americans love to say one thing, but then do another and then we say, well, why, well, what happened to all the manufacturing jobs? You can't keep yelling low, 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 low. They left. That's, what, is, that's also what we're sort of dealing with here. Well, is, is part of it, Roland, I mean, let's, let's take what, what, what's happening with, with you and with BSN as the example. You're a small business. You employ a number of people. If you had more resources, as we've seen, you turn those resources right back in to the business. You, it, certainly, it's a yeah. business. We live in a capitalist economy. I can, but I can hire more people. We can actually no grow, cover more. That's exactly yep. right. Now, 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 given your position, uh, only pressure from all of us is going to bust open these advertisers, yep. these companies. To advertise with yep. them. Now, look at Amazon, and Amazon ads run here. We see the automobile uh, ads uh, run here. And as you said, Reese, uh, the, the the auto market is piping hot. Yep. Now, that has been said. They could pay. Amazon is a global business. They could they could double the wages 
of their employees, but it would then take a shave off a fraction of their already astronomical profits. Yep. Now, the, the, the same attitude that we have toward supporting Black Star Network and creating the pressure that will have Amazon uh, actually benefit itself by advertising here is the same pressure Amazon is afraid of when their own workers try to organize labor because the reality is that you could maintain lower prices. You don't have to go up on Amazon Prime right. and blame raising the workers because they are a huge business. The people you're referring to, and I'm thinking about your conversation with John Hope Bryant, I'm thinking about all the conversations you have. We, how do you have a moral capitalism? I'm not sure it's possible, but if it's anywhere possible, we're looking at it with Black Star Network. But the simple fact of the matter is these behemoths want us to have conversations, political conversations, through the lens of small business, when in fact big business could raise the wages without them. But they don't care right. about raising wages. It might put you out of business, but right. damn sure they're not going to put Amazon out of business. And, and, that's, they, and they want us to be confused about as if you're the same as Amazon. That's just not true. And that's why when the Republicans had their tax cut, all those companies said... <laughs> We're not plowing that money back into the company. We yes, not we we not increasing uh, wages. We gonna do stock buyback and reward the investors. And they were very open about it. That's why don't fall for Republican drama because we're hollering more tax cuts. I'm telling y'all right now, more tax cuts does not benefit workers. It benefits owners. It benefits these large corporations. Period. Don't, that that's the game. They ain't fooling nobody. It's benefiting the top one to three percent, and they're saying the hell with the bottom ninety-seven. That's the reality. Got to go to a break, folks. Uh, we come back. Uh, our black and missing of the day, and and also a, a, a troubling case uh, of a sister in a jail. What happened to Tanisha Chappelle? Where do we break this thing down for you? It's strange. But there's been no accountability in this case. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Be sure to get the, uh, of course, get our app uh, that is on all platforms, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Also, support us in what we do, folks, by joining our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar you give goes to support this show, what we cover, our staff, all the things that Greg was talking about. Trust me, you are a huge part of that. Uh, you contributed $672,000 in 2020, $827,000 uh, in 2021. So our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing a minimum of 50 bucks each uh, each year. That'll raise a million dollars for us to be able to do the work that we do. That's $4.19 a month, 13 cents a day. And so Cash App is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. You can also send us uh, a check or money order at PO Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037. We don't have millionaires uh, supporting our show. We got very few entertainers who support us, and so your contributions matter. So that way we can be independent and not corporate-owned and corporate-controlled. I'll be back in a moment.
Hi, I'm Pastor Jackie Hood Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We'll laugh together, cry together, pull ourselves together, and cheer each other on. So join me for new shows each Tuesday on Black Star Network, a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. Hello, everyone. I'm Godfrey, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. And while he's doing Unfiltered, I'm practicing the wobble. Summer Matthews was last seen on February 2nd, 2022 in Cincinnati, Ohio. The 16-year-old is 5 feet 1, 125 pounds, with brown hair and brown eyes. Summer, Summer's ears are, and, and nose are pierced. If you have any information about her, please call the Cincinnati Police Department at 513-765-1212. That's 513-765-1212. All right, folks, now uh, a really, really disturbing story, and uh, there's some video that we're going to show you that is very difficult to watch. So if it's triggering, please uh, turn away uh, right now. Uh, the family of a black Indiana woman is still waiting for someone to take accountability for Tanisha Chappelle's death while in police custody. She became violently ill on July 15th and begged for help throughout the night and the following day. Now, again, what we're about to play, folks, is extremely disturbing. So I just want to warn you right now, and you're about to hear other inmates describing her desperate pleas for help. And then you'll hear Tanisha herself. We could hear her violently throwing up. She hit the box. I need one of the cars to come back here, please. Please. She told the box repeatedly, repeatedly, over and over and over. We all heard it, okay, that she needed help. Yes. She, she was very adamant about needing to go to the hospital. Yeah. 
Do what? Like everyone, like we could hear her hollering for help and stuff. I'm dehydrated. My whole bucket is full with vomit. I'm throwing up blood. Yeah. Did you hear me? Yeah, I'm calling my sergeant. She's making a big, big deal. I spoke to the sergeant. He said that the nurse will see you in the morning. Yeah. And the, the guards come back there, or check on her, like, uh, when they did their walkthrough, mm -hmm. nobody gave a shit. No one cared. What's your name? Alrighty. She was screaming, help me. And we laughed at her. Tanisha was eventually taken to the hospital around 4 p.m. the next day where she later died that evening. Joining me now uh, is uh, Levita McCain, Tanisha's mother, as well as her sister, Ronisha Morell, in addition to Sam Aguiar, uh, who is the family attorney. Um, I hate to have to play those videos uh, when I have family on the show. Unfortunately, uh, we have to do that for the purpose uh, of the audience, and so certainly uh, my condolences uh, to uh, to you. Um, it, it is uh, Mrs. Uh, McLean, uh, and it is it is shocking and stunning to have to listen to her pleas. She is begging for help, and the callous disregard is clear. Huh? I can't hear you. Huh? I mean, if you hear someone in that level of distress. How do you not go down and check on them to see with your own eyes? What what have they said to you and your family, Ms. McLean? They just told her uh, that first they said she was poisoned. And then they just ruined her death undetermined. But what did they, what did the jailers say? I mean, have they said anything regarding their lack of care? They won't talk to us. They won't talk to us at all. Um, Sam, how long ago did this happen? This happened back on July sixteenth of uh, 2021, and like LaVita said, you know, it's been six months of silence. I'm sure we'll get into it, but it's been a sham investigation. Um, 
you know, I think your reaction is similar to, to mine in the sense that you just watch some things and you hear some things and it's so damn obvious. And to just see here we are six, seven months later and nothing done, it just makes me wonder where we've come as a society. You know, has there really been any progress at all? Um, how did, uh, give us an understanding, uh, um, whether it's Sam, uh, Levita or Renisha, how she ended up there. What, what actually transpired? And did she contact any family members? Was a, was a phone call made? Anything? So set up how we even got to the point of her being there. Um, do you want to go, Sam? Uh, Sam can talk about that. I can tell you about the phone call that was given to me. Yeah, so, so basically, Roland, if we go back to May of last year, you know, we're talking about a, a shoplifting charge. And, you know, when you hear when you hear the interviews in this case, what you find out is that an officer with the Indiana State Police went to pull her over and he goes for his gun. So she drives off panicked. You know, she's black. Southern Indiana is very white, has a history of, of racism. She takes off down the road and a police chase happens. They ultimately pull her over. The officer says that she was respectful. She was courteous. She was remorseful. And instead of them taking her to the jail in Clark County, Indiana, which is right outside of Louisville, they decide to put her in the car and drive her back up the road 50 miles and put her in a jail where the population was at 240, two of whom were black. Throughout the next few weeks... Whoa, 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 wait, 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 yeah. wait. How, how far was the jail that where they should have taken her? Uh, the jail that they should have taken her was about a mile and a half off the highway, and instead they drove her back up the road 50 miles to Jackson County, Indiana, which is historically racist. So instead like of going to the city jail, they took her to the county jail. They sure do. Okay, continue. All right, so, so over the next few weeks, you know, we hear Tanisha's phone calls. We got them from the jail, and... It's clear as day that she's experiencing a very, uh, you know, tough environment in there. Um, she expresses repeatedly to her family that she's concerned for her safety. She expresses that the guards are making comments to her, like one specifically in a phone call is, you know, the easiest way to get away with murder is what the cop told her. And she says, what? And he says, be a cop. Wow. It. It goes on and on, and then it culminates, like you see, you know, July 15th, July 16th, of no fewer than 12 different guards that are on jail video coming to her. What we didn't see is that by, after the last phone call, 9.55 in the morning, by 11 o'clock in the morning, Roland, she has exited her cell. She stumbled. She tries to call on the box by hitting the intercom, but she's so disoriented that she's hitting a metal box on the wall that's not the intercom. She collapses on the ground. She's naked, other than an underwear that she is filled with her own waist that is green. And then you have officers that take 10 minutes to respond and then stand over her for 10 minutes before they force her to go back to her cell and lock her down. Wait, wait, wait. They found her in that condition and sent her back to the cell. 
locked her in there, let her stay in there for another hour and a half, and then it gets worse from there. How does it get worse? She gets taken up to a single, well, she gets taken up to a group holding cell, which is a COVID quarantine cell. So why the hell they decide to bring her and dump her in with a bunch of women where they drop her on the floor. They drop her, literally, like let her fall to the ground. 30 minutes later, they put her in by herself. She can't speak. She is basically moaning. Two officers come in after she hits her head on a steel bunk and determine that she's fine and then come back and write in a report later that she didn't hit her head, but you watch the video, she slams her head into it. The nurse comes in finally at 2.30 in the afternoon and decides that because she is unable to dress herself, that he says, I'm gonna go back to doing my thing. An hour after that, a sergeant comes in, says that she thinks that Tanisha is faking and she's acting like she's in kindergarten. So the green waist just, what, thought she drank some dye? Yeah, I mean, evidently, I mean, they, they just thought that, you know, that was insignificant in the whole scheme of things. Everything about this is so wrong, Roland. It's disgusting. So, so, Ranisha, tell us about the phone call. Um, she calls me, um, the, the first time she calls me, she calls me crying. She said if we didn't get out of there, she's scared that she would be on the news. And she tried to warn us. And then she, the second, the second phone call was, please get out of there. They're going to kill her in there. And she said, then we'll be playing this phone call back. And we'll be playing her dead body trying to figure out what happened to her. Uh, so, so, Sam, you, you, you say it was a sham investigation. So what, what was it? What, first of all, you said the autopsy concluded that she was poisoned? Yes, it did. Um, now, she, now, now she oh, was ahead. driving, supposedly on a shoplifting deal. She gets picked up. How'd she get poisoned? So, you know, fast forward, she gets picked up in May. Fast forward to July, and... Hold on, let's start right there. She gets picked up in May. She's in jail for two months on a shoplifting charge? Two months on a shoplifting charge. How, how, much, how much was the... Uh, again, that they alleged whatever. Well, first of all, what did that? What did they allege? She stopped, she shoplifted. They alleged that she went into an outlet mall and took some clothes. Value? Don't know that, but What's... we're not talking. We're not talking about expensive jewelry or anything like that here. We're talking what? about you know Ralph Lauren clothes that are that they're at an outlet mall. We're talking about twenty dollars t-shirts. Was she ever? Was she ever arraigned? She was arraigned. She was never. She's two months. She'd never been sentenced. She was still going through the pretrial process. They put a fifty thousand dollar bond on her, Roland. Fifty thousand dollars. A fifty thousand dollar bond. Fifty thousand dollars. Which meant the family had to come up with five grand. Four grand. Okay, go ahead. And it was, reduced, it, was, it was reduced to what? 
reduced to four grand for shoplifting. Her restitution probably would have been less than $4,000, but yet her bond was going to be $4,000. So we get to July. By this point in there, you know, she is in a pod of 16 inmates, 15 of whom are very who are white. And they're not just white. They're like Aryan white, you know, some of them with swastikas. There'd been a noose that had been put in her cell by an inmate previously. And she gets into an argument that day because it's supposed to be her day with the TV remote. So it's jail. You know, they argue over everything. And then all of a sudden you start hearing these these calls from the cells and, you know, they're calling her racial slurs. They're acting like, you know, she just went and, you know, dropped a nuclear bomb. You know, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And then at some point she ingested toxic substances, which this jail just leaves out all this cleaner that can be used. Tanisha on the calls literally is even telling the jail officers, I'm not getting off the camera because I'm worried and y'all need to be able to see. And at some point, you know, they were able to slip something in there. And then the police take five months, investigate this thing. And you know what happens when the badge investigates the badge. It, you know, nothing, nothing came out of this. And after five months, their results of the investigation were nothing that differentiated from what we were told initially. Literally nothing. They had bottles of, of, of cleaner and they had bottles of Mountain Dew and other food items. They never tested them. So literally, and sitting in evidence right now in Indiana are about five pieces of evidence that have never been tested for toxic substances whatsoever. But the investigation's closed. It's closed? It's closed. Um, Reese and Greg, you have any questions? Um, I yeah. just, I, Go ahead, Reese. I'm sorry. Please. I just can't, I just have to express my deepest condolences. I, I don't have anything that would be anything but pure outrage to express. So my deepest condolences to you and the loss of this just completely tragic and devastating loss. Great. Yeah, I, I add mine to Reese's as well. And, and just a question, because as you were, as you all were talking, as we were reading about this story and then hearing it, I was thinking about South Africa. I was in South Africa years ago at the site of the women's prison where Winnie Mandela and Fatima Mir were treated so brutally during apartheid. And compared to what we've just heard, they were treated humanely. This is indefensible. I guess my question is, two, two really, how do we reopen? And what can we do to not only support and surround you, but to build some type of mass action to bust these people out from the inside? Because this is simply... Um, this is unacceptable. What can we do, you all? I'm glad you asked that. So, 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 you know, this is awful. These are classic federal civil rights violations from a criminal level. And the best thing that we could do right now is put collective pressure on federal authorities to, you know, the FBI, the DOJ in Indianapolis to really open up something here, to look into this, uh, to look at all the law enforcement and agencies that were involved because, you know, what happened here is, is you've got a county sheriff who calls up his buddies at the, at the state police who basically did them a favor, conducted a sham investigation. And, that, and if the feds are going to jump in like they said they were going to do, you know, the Biden administration was elected on the platform of, you know, so many people coming out on the promise that they were going to start holding civil rights violations like this 
you know, as top priority and they're not doing it, if, if they're going to put their money where their mouth is, then they really need to start investigating things like this with federal resources. Um, Ranisha, you talked about the call. This was, um, um, this was, this is some audio here uh, where she talked about being scared. You want to know what I think? I think they should have moved her a long time ago for her own protection. You know, we've said, I've said some pretty nasty things to her. Like some bad stuff that happened. Somebody got in my face and screamed that I was a black nigger bitch. Um, I just called her black nigger bitch. And then she said, I'm, for some reason, I remember her saying, I remember her exactly saying, watch your mouth. And then I yelled nigger about 50 times. You know what a cop just told me yesterday in here? What? What? He, he, he said, he asked me, he said, do you know the easiest way to get away with murder? I was like, no, what is it? He's like, be a cop. I just got to get the hell out of here before I end up on the fucking news. And this time, oh, y'all, oh, my God, it's so fucking scary. Um, Ranisha, as well as, um, LaVita, the, you've been talking to various people to get the story out, to make a Mallory with Until Freedom brought it to my attention. Um, who, who has been standing with you in Indiana? Um, who has been, you know, coming to your aid in the state? Any... Any groups, any civil rights groups, any, I mean, what's been happening in the last six, seven months? We have some people from my community who has been standing with us. Um, when we had did a rally in um, Jackson County, Indiana, um, until Freedom, Tamika Mallory and Glenda Sorcerer, and a few other people with them had came and supported us with that. Uh, this is uh, certainly, I mean, extremely disturbing, very disturbing. Miss um, uh, McLean, your, uh, your final comments. I just, want, I just want Jackson County to be exposed, and I want them to stand accountable for what they did to my daughter, and I don't want this happening to nobody else. Um... Sam, to the point Greg asked, what um, you talked about, obviously, wanting the Department of Justice to step in. Um, <laughs> folks who are watching and listening, what would you like uh, for them to do um, to help this family? You know, uh, any sort of mass action. You know, it seems like the feds jump in when there's public outcry for something. And, and I guess the public needs to tell them that they want them to jump in here and any sort of contact to whether it's the, the regional field office in Bloomington, Indiana, the FBI, or the DOJ up in Indianapolis, it, it would be greatly appreciated. They, something needs to happen here. Um, we certainly appreciate uh, all three of you uh, joining us, Sam Aguilar, Levita McLean, as well as um, Ronisha uh, Morrell. Thank you so very much as well. And uh, let us know what happens in this case, and we'll certainly be following it as well. Thank you, Roland. Um, recent Greg, this, I mean, this is the thing that, again, one of the, one of the reasons why we exist because look, there's so many of these stories, mainstream media will only pay, give them any 
Cretans when it blows up. It's, mm -hmm. it's rare. Again, missing white woman? Oh, my goodness. I mean, we, we cover this thing like crazy, front page. Uh, but, but these are the cases that, and where people go, people just say, oh, no, things have changed in America. I mean, what you heard described there sounds so similar. When I read books and stories from the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, how black people were treated in Jim Crow America. Yes. Once you, you know, I'm black in America, I have been stopped for nothing under pretense. I've been booked and spent time in cells and anyone who has, I'm talking about little things, expired uh, registration tag or taillight. And the next thing you know, those same Gestapo police, uh, I'm sorry, Marjorie Taylor Greene, it, it's not Gestapo, but I don't expect anything from you. You're white nationalist and I'm your open enemy. Um, Gestapo cops who work on the Capitol Hill, I've spent time in those little cells. And when you hear that clank, it doesn't really matter. I taught at a women's prison at one time when I was finishing my graduate work. Anytime you go behind the walls, you never forget, no matter why, why you're there, that, that girl was killed by patter rollers. In a just society, they would pay for what they did with their lives. Unfortunately, and I'm not, I'm not when I started to say I'm not advocating violence, but I'm absolutely advocating justice in this sense. They're only going to stop when we stop them. They are killing us with impunity. They always have, but they have renewed vigor and energy now. Over the next few days, there are people who are going to be talking about the Super Bowl. They're going to be talking about singing and damn buck dancing and jiving at the Super Bowl. They're going to be more people know that James Harden was traded to the Philadelphia 76ers today for Ben Simmons than know about this child, Tanisha Ch Chappelle. It, it, Roland, it's not only one of the reasons that what you've created exists. In many ways, it's the only reason. He was right. They're only going to respond when we overwhelm them. As he was talking, I'm thinking about Kristen Clark has appeared on this platform for so many times. I'm thinking about Vanita Gupta. I'm thinking about uh, that attorney general, Merrick Garland. I'm thinking about the fact that we now need to, and, and Reese, I'd really be interested in hearing what you have to say about this, just given the fact that you know in very fine detail perhaps how best we should move at this point. We've got to overwhelm them now. It's not enough to write a couple of letters and send a couple of emails. They need to look out their windows and say, you know what, if we don't address this, they coming for us. They're, otherwise, there's no reason for us to continue to participate. This is, other than that, I'm like you said, I'm really kind of without words. We've got to do this. Reese. Yeah, I'm just um, beyond just disgusted and outraged and 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 just heartbroken by what I heard. That was a a, a, a an 18-hour lynching that we heard. Mm -hmm. And the callousness, get your ass off your fucking phone, off of Facebook or Candy Crush or whatever the hell it is that you think is so fucking important that you can't take your raggedy ass down and check on a person, a human being. I know y'all think no humans are involved, but a human being 
who is suffering. Mm. That is appalling. It's unconscionable. We're the no humans involved are the jailers. It's the system that perpetuates this cruelty, this unnecessary cruelty from a shoplifting charge. It's an execution. And this isn't just a black issue, because this is a predominantly white area, predominantly white jail. A less than a month later, a 29-year-old white man died in that exact same prison. So this isn't just a black thing where white people can, well, black motherfuckers, stay out of prison, stay out of jail, don't commit crimes. They're killing the white folks, too. So, yes, this is what we are supposed to have a DOJ for. So I, I will do everything in my power to try to hope and see if I can get this in front of Kristen Clark, in front of Vanita Gupta. This mm-hmm. is a fucking shame that it takes this level of cruelty and trauma expressed in the most just just heart-wrenching way, and it still isn't enough because this is a Black woman that we're talking about. This should have been headline news everywhere. This is suffering. It's unconscionable. It's inhumane. And this is, it, it, it's, it's so regular that this isn't even on the news. We aren't in the streets marching behind something like this. A jail sentence, a pretrial jail sentence is not supposed to be a death sentence. So we have a lot of work to do. We, we, we express that every week, that this is a pre-trial lynching that hmm. nobody's doing jack shit about, and that is beyond infuriating. This is a um, story uh, from the Louisville Courier-Journal uh, in December. Prosecutor declines to charge anyone in Tanisha Campbell's Indiana jail death. Uh, and let me click close this. Uh, and um, the report... Uh, said that, give me one second, our invest, uh, let's see here, 15-page report at the Indiana State Police provided to the family Friday by Prosecutor Jeffrey Chalfont determined no one was criminally liable, said Chalfont makes no findings and no conclusions about the standard of care provided by employees of the Jackson County Jail. Um, it is, uh, again, an extremely uh, disturbing story. So, folks, uh, we're going to continue uh, to follow this as well. All right, got to go to a break. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. America's Wealth Coach, and my new show, Get Wealthy, focuses on the things that your financial advisor and bank isn't telling you, but you absolutely need to know. 
to watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. chair take your seat the black tape with me dr greg carr here on the black star network every week we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in join the conversation only on the black star network only as we rise do we encounter opposition abolitionist and autobiographer, Frederick Douglass. All right, folks, Purdue University police are reviewing an officer's use of force during an arrest of a black man last week on the school's campus in West Lafayette, Indiana. Watch this. You're on video. You are Please, on video. Please, you're punching me. You're fighting him. Stop you it. are hurting him. You are hurting me. You get Stop off of him. You're on video. People here now, please. Please. You are on video. Nicole. I'm just honest. I can't do anything. Please. No, Please. Get. You're hurting him. Stop. You're hurting him. Stop Can you it. take your elbow off his fucking neck? You've been disrespectful this whole take time. Take your now. elbow off his neck. Please get off me again, ma'am. I told you not to. Huh? Touch me again, and I will taste you. Stop. You'll tease me. What am I doing to you? Stop, I have this man. on video. I'm trying to get your elbow off my boyfriend's neck. You're fighting. You're choking me. You're choking me. You're choking me. Yo, yo, yo. I swear to God. Get your elbow. Campus police say the officer arrested the man Friday after a third party call reporting, quote, it appeared a woman was being held against her will. Um, how about an investigation? Just saying. A South Carolina officer is charged with voluntary manslaughter for killing an unarmed man. Hemingway police officer Cassandra Dollard tried to pull over Robert Jr. Langley for running a stop sign early Sunday, and it turned into a 100-mile-an-hour chase. Langley crashed his car in a ditch and tried to get out the passenger's door when he was shot in the chest. Dollard told investigators she feared for her life. She faces two to 30 years in prison. Uh, now, this is one of those stories here that, um, actually, I'm going to come back to that. Just give me one second. In Texas, a Dallas police officer and a former officer are facing charges of using excessive force uh, during George Floyd protest in May of 2020. The DA's office issued multiple arrest warrants for senior Corporal Ryan Mabry and former senior Corporal Melvin Williams. Williams was fired over an unrelated excessive force accusation. They faced pre-indictment charges, including aggravated assault and official oppression, which will be presented to a grand jury for consideration. They're accused of using less lethal pro pro projectiles, which together injured several protesters. The attorneys say they will turn themselves in. The thing about these particular stories here, Greg and Reese, Hey, involving uh, black cops. The thing that we always saying, uh, bottom line is this here. You got black cops who, cops who do wrong. It's not always a situation where it's white. It's also sometimes it's blue. That's true. I mean, the color of the skin of the cop doesn't matter when they, they're all blue. That's exactly right. It's what you said. You just said it. I mean, you know, when you can kill with impunity, with no repercussions, I mean, we heard that Klansman tell that child right there in the jail, you know, you can get away with murder, be a cop. 
Now, I mean, in South Carolina, we've certainly seen Michael Slager go to jail, Sean Grummer go to jail. I mean, the brother, the, the, uh, Walter Scott, who was killed in North Charleston, we saw him go to jail. It doesn't matter that Dollard is is black. I mean, she she lost her job twice in, in law enforcement. She'd been across six different agencies. And when it comes to that uh, little inbred Hitler-looking guy who had his knee on the neck and and, and then threatening to tase the sister um, there in West Lafayette, I've spent some time on the campus of Purdue University. It's not a, a, a hospitable place. Although the people who I was out there with in terms of the Black Studies Department, you know, Leonard Harris and those cats, I mean, they really do the best they can out there. But the simple fact of the matter is, is that policing is not broken. These are patterollers. They're hunters. And as we saw in the case that you covered a couple of months ago with your brother in Louisiana, if you are on a force and try to do something other than what we're seeing done right here, they'll run your ass out the police force and then lock arms. This thing is only going to stop when we end it. This means you, we, we got to get in there. We can't reform these police departments. They've got to be dismantled and remade or made into something different. This is what we're talking about when we say defund the police. Because all oh, that means get rid of the police. No. What it means is stop the killing. Because they're, they're not going to stop until we stop them. That is clear. They're out here now buckwilding with impunity. Yep. Rizzi. Well, and but the, here's the here's the other part, though. They're willing to offer your black ass up for a uh, giving us crumbs in terms of accountability. Oh, you want accountable cop? Here's the blackies. Here's the black cops. We'll let them. We'll charge them with with this crime or with that crime for abusing their power. But we're not gonna do that to the white cops, though. So mm-hmm. if anything, this should be a message to those black cops that you will be offered up on a silver platter if they have to give up somebody. It's gonna be you. And as far as the the student, this was an actual student. The campus police should not be out there brutalizing students. And whoever's punk ass called in talking about this white woman, because you know there's a racial aspect of it, was being Mm -hmm. held against her will by her black boyfriend. And the cop who's supposedly there to come to the rescue of the white woman ends up threatening to tase her white ass too. Mm. This is what's crazy. And it just goes to what Dr. Carr is saying. This is about hunting. It's not about serving and protecting. It's about hunting. Oh, goody. I got one. I got me one now. So it's disgusting. It's disgusting. But this is what we've come to expect in the United States of America, unfortunately. Folks, a Florida man who was shot by police last July when he called for help is now paralyzed. Michael Ortiz was experiencing a mental health crisis when he called 911 seeking help. Instead, he was handcuffed naked, laid on the ground, and shot in the back. Hollywood police say they have video of the incident, and the Ortiz family wants it released. Ortiz was in a coma for about a month later after the incident. Well, I'm sorry. I wish I can cannot say more because I, on that day I wake up and... When I wake up, I wake up almost the end of the month. And when, on on July 3rd, on July 3rd, I wake up at 10 a.m. So just imagine wake, waking up at 10 a.m. And then don't even remember how you went to go to sleep and then wake up on the end of the month. And it was hard. And I just confused. It's kind of like going back to birth because I have to learn 
how to go to the bathroom. I have to learn how to get out of my bed. And just seeing my mom coming back from work sometimes late and then has to literally wipe my behind because I'm not able to. So just to that police officer, why? Why you had the need to shoot me? Why there, is, there were six growing people and they, they can't put me down, cuff me, and that's it. But then they had to use violence because they maybe they didn't like what I said or I don't I don't I don't know. I just remember going going to sleep up and then wake up for a whole month. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Ortiz is now on the 24-7 care. The, the unidentified officer is on administrative leave. I don't know why he's unidentified, but that's, that's sort of how they do it. Folks, a state official in Virginia, as says a deputy Virginia attorney general, black woman, has resigned after social media posts resurfaced about she made about the 2020 election, how she was a sympathizer of those white domestic terrorists who stormed the Capitol on January 6th. The Washington Post obtained screenshots of the post by Monique Miles, authenticated then with people who interacted with her and shared them with the Office of Republican Attorney General Jason Miares. Uh, a spokesman for the new Attorney General confirmed Miles' resignation and said that he had not been aware of the post. Um, yeah, this, so apparently this, uh, this sister, um, Reese, uh, said all kind of wild, crazy stuff. Uh, go ahead and pull this one up right here. Uh, this is one of the tweets. Newsflash, patriots have stormed the Capitol. No surprise, the deep state has awoken the sleeping giant. Patriots are not taking this lying down. We are awake, ready, and will fight for our rights by any means necessary. That's one of the uh, posts that she made. It's all kind of crazy stuff. And so her, her deal is, hey, she is a rabid MAGA Trump supporter. And they're like, yeah, we can't have you be. And her responsibility in, uh, when she was the, in the uh, AG's office, hmm, voting. Of course. Yeah, and but guess what? They agree with every damn word she said. But she black. Nope. Black, 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 black. And the rules is different for you, honey. <laughs> Even when you're a Republican. So she got her inward wake-up call, because she said everything that all the mother folks say. And she has the same agenda that they all hate. But she's black. So welcome mm. to being black again. Mm. Uh, look, Reece you got some crazy, deranged black conservatives out there, Greg. Yeah, I was going to ask you and Reese, how long or do you think that she ranks high enough on the chain of uh, useful Negroes to uh, quickly secure a job in the private sector? Oh, no, one thing well, about no, no. She's a, she, has her own she has a law firm um, in, I think, Alexandria, Virginia. Um, and oh, she's so, right across the water. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Ow. Yeah, she right here. She in Virginia. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then, what what do you think? Will they uh, kick her a few uh, cases or oh, put her no, no. as off counsel on something? You know, the Republicans gonna be hooking her up when they when they, they all, look when you find a crazy one like that uh, who black. Oh, you know, again, uh, <laughs> hell, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Candace Owens has her on a speaking tour. My God, would not. And be there's shot. a lesson in that, y'all. That's why you have to support these platforms because when they go crazy, they got a network, and unlike. Unlike what we're talking here with Black Star Network,
There's no billionaires with a slush fund so that this one right here gets hit off lovely. We don't have that on our side. We have numbers, but we do not have not yet rallied the resources. There's a lesson in that. There's a lesson in that. We have to understand this. We have to support our own because yep. they got a team. Yep, absolutely. Uh, all right, y'all. Um, when we come back, I got to show y'all this here. We got to talk about uh, the, the brother who got hired with the Miami Dolphins. He was asked about the issue of him being a biracial, half-black head coach. <sighs> he was like, it was sort of, it was tough to listen to. But he didn't really want to say what he really just should have said. I'm gonna show y'all that. You know, so I got something to show y'all. For all y'all non-spades playing people. I can't wait to show y'all this here. You're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. I'm Dr. Jackie Hood-Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We'll laugh together, cry together, pull ourselves together, and cheer each other on. So join me for new shows each Tuesday on Black Star Network, a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. Hey, I'm Cupid, the maker of the Cupid Shuffle and the Wham Dance. What's going on? This is Tobias Trevelyan. And if you're ready, you are listening to and you are watching Roland Martin. Unfiltered. All right, y'all. So uh, today, the Miami Dolphins, they um, held a news conference, uh, and their new head coach, uh, Mike McDaniel, was introduced. He was the offensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, he satisfied the NFL's uh, requirements. Uh, first of all, they're counting him as a black head coach. Uh, his dad is black. Uh, and... He was asked this question today at the news conference, and um, you be the judge. Yeah, it, it's been very odd, to tell you the truth. 
this idea of identifying as something. Um, you know, I think people identify me as something, but I identify as a human being. Uh, it, it, and my dad's black. So whatever you want to call it, um, I know there's a lot of people with a shared experience, but it doesn't make, you know, it, I'm just, it, it's weird that it comes up because the, the, you know, I've, I've just tried to um, be a good person and I think, I think my background opens my eyes a little bit. Um, I don't have any um, real experience with, with racism because, you know, I, I think you identify me as something close to, I don't know. Um, but I know my, my mom experienced it when she uh, married my dad. I know my dad experienced it and that's in my family, but um, I guess that makes me a, a, a human being that can identify with other people's problems. So I, 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 think, I think you I, I identify me as something. Mike, this is not hard. This is not hard. This is how you should have answered that question. I appreciate the question. I am half black, half white. My dad's black. But the reality is, if you look at me, I have lived a life as a white man. No, that's, it's, look, he said it. He just didn't want to say it. He said that my dad experienced racism, he black. My mama experienced racism because she married a black man. He said, but I haven't experienced racism. Mike, you haven't experienced racism because when you walk into the room, they say, that's a white guy. <laughs> and so when he said, you know, my, I, my experience, and, and here's the deal, y'all. I'm not tripping on him living his life as a white man. Why? Because he looks like a white man. I got a whole bunch of high yellow people in my family. Okay? If you see him, I can, I can spot Mike real easy. Because, <laughs> look, my mama light-skinned. My grandmother was light-skinned. I, I went to family reunion. I swear I had some Latino cousins. No. Nope. They Creole from Louisiana. But here's the deal, Mike. Just say... I, unlike Lovett Smith and Brian Flores, I have not lived a life as a black man in America. I do not know that experience. But he was just sitting here, and here's, I think, why he was struggling, Greg. Because he's never been asked publicly about it. Yeah. I had, I had somebody who worked on one of the teams with him who said, I work with this person. I'm not going to give the year, but let's say it was more than a decade ago. The person said, Roland, count me as learning today that he had black. No question. No question. I mean, I, I love that, man. I, I really enjoy that. As someone who doesn't watch the NFL anymore, um, that's about as much NFL as I'm going to watch. And I thoroughly enjoyed every second of it. Uh, 
they are switching out their depends by the minute because of Brian Flores. They are praying to everyone they have and they're throwing as much money as every lawyers they have to try to stop any Flores lawsuit from surviving a motion to dismiss because if it gets to the discovery stage and that um, slovenly racist out there in New England, Bill Belichick, is forced to uh, reveal under oath who he was talking to that told him that his other uh, friend Brian got the job. They are terrified. Um, uh, I, I really enjoyed that. Brother McDaniel, who was raised by his mom, Donna, uh, in Colorado, was not raised by his father, uh, who said when he visited his father's mother and realized that he was the outlier in all the pictures, that it was kind of odd. You know, I like this guy. I like him a lot uh, because two things. He's not going to, uh, he's not big enough. He doesn't have enough weight. He doesn't have enough color. And he certainly doesn't have enough consciousness <laughs> to stop the rain that Brian Flores has unleashed. So, Dolphins, you didn't succeed. That's number one. And you know the first thing I thought, finally, uh, Roland Reese, the first thing I thought was, this fool and lost the locker room. Because I don't know anybody that would run through a wall for that weak-ass MF when he stands up and tries to give an inspirational speech. You lost every brother in the locker room at that press conference, bruh. So guess what? When you might not think you black, you might not think that you black, and your and your and your mama suffered because she uh, had a touch of the more when she got together and created you. So you know what it is, and you called your dad black. I wonder what he calls himself. But let's be very clear: when they put your black ass on that firing squad, because you ain't gonna do them no good, don't come running back to the race because you lost the locker room at the press conference. Again, Racy, he's likely never, never. Folk, I'm telling you, I talked to me. People said, "Man, I had no idea." Dude had a black daddy. It never came up. They saw him as another white coach. Dude, just simply say, here's the reality. Yes, I'm biracial. But the reality is, I, because I don't look it, I've never had to deal with that aspect of my life. Just say it. And he was trying, well, they was like, he literally couldn't even say, y'all see me as a white man. And you know what? And there are some people who also, because the NFL has a rule that when you hire a minority coach, when you hire a minority coach, you, you pick up, um, you get uh, the team that, that they left uh, gets awarded this additional draft picks. There are, some people, there are some people who are saying that the 49ers should not get additional draft picks because this dude don't identify as a minority coach. Well, first of all, I've never heard of him before today. And now that I've learned about him, send him back. I don't want to know shit about him. <laughs> Let me say that he spoke. I'm not a racial gatekeeper. I'm not one of those people that says, if you biracial, you ain't black. I I'm not one of those people because I got a lot of a lot of mixing, a lot of swirling in my family. And I love them all. And they all black as far as I'm concerned. But... If you ain't trying to be black, you ain't got to be black. You can take your goofy white ass on and you ain't got to claim us, white boy, if that's what you want to be so bad. But like a true white man, he rejects and actually resents having to proclaim that whiteness is an identity. The identity is being a human being because he said, I'm human. <laughs> well, aren't we all? Apparently, the fuck not, white boy. So he doesn't have to say I'm a white person because human means white and we're other. And so that is what needs a designation. So scurry along. We know how you got the interview with the rule. What is the Rooney rule? Yeah. That's how you got the interview. We know how you got the job. 
But if you want to believe otherwise, white boy, stand in that. Stand in it and own it, and we're going to give it to you, and we're going to let you sit with that because we don't want you over here with us, That's white right. boy. And again, right. I, again, and let me be real clear. <laughs> I'm not... I'm not ripping a dude. All I'm simply... No. No, no, here's the deal. I'm, just, I'm, I'm just simply saying, Mike... If you live your life as a white man, and guess what? You got you got an opportunity to pick. I got I got relatives right now in Louisiana who are, who are passing for white. Right now. No question. Right now. No question. My great aunt Rita, when she died, she first of all, she passed for white like 20, 25 years, maybe even longer. When she died, her punk ass daughter told my grandmother, my aunt Rita's sister, a month after she was dead and buried. And her sister died. Wow. Because she didn't want us coming to the funeral. I'm telling y'all right now, I I have said this many times, that I might decide to take my cameras and go to Louisiana and knock on her goddamn door with the cameras rolling and say, what up, cuz? I might, because she's married to a white guy. Her her kids don't know. She knows she black. Her kids don't know they black. Mmm. So, oh, trust me, trust me, I'm real tempted to roll up with the cameras and say, yeah, what up, cuz? Because that was foul that my grandmother never got a chance uh, to attend her sister's funeral because her punk-ass daughter told her a month after she was buried that, hey, by the way, mama, uh, mama passed away because she didn't want us there. And didn't, and didn't want my uncle, uh, uh, my uncle Roy to be there as well. And my uncle Roy got my skin color. My grandmother liked like my mom. So <laughs> that's the deal. They didn't want that. All right, so we mentioned NFL, so I got to do this here. So you, as you know, Greg, uh, uh, the president of the Washington football team, not known as Commanders, is our frat brother, Jason Wright. Yeah. Uh, yes, you know, uh, became, uh, so the first uh, president of NFL franchise. So I'm going to walk over here. So I didn't, ex- I didn't know this was going to happen. I didn't expect this. So I got something in the mail. And see, this is what happens. Now, mind you, y'all know uh, I am uh, a straight-up, hardcore Houston fan. That's how I roll. Um, I only cheer for Houston team. The Houston Texans suck. You know, they hired Lovey Smith. Trust me. Trust me, he was not. No, no, give me this one. Give me the wide. He was not on the list. He was not on the list at all. At all. And so it was a sham interview. They had no choice. I don't need to. Give me this one. They had no choice but to sit here and have him. So uh, our frat brother sent me this. Uh, and this came in the mail. I had no idea. This huge, this huge case here. And so I open it up. And so what you see here is they have, of course, the Washington Commanders, all of the, um, all of the, I think all the years they won titles. And so uh, they sent me, it says, um, as commanders, we unite to become one team of many leaders and rally our Burgundy and Gold family in the DMV and beyond. We lead to set a standard of excellence and give our all in every arena we enter. As commanders, we rise to moments that call for greatness and challenges that stand in our way. We fight to honor the legends before us and bring pride to our community. As commanders, we create a culture that inspires trailblazers to forge a path of progress. All of us in many uniforms across the globe command in our own way. Together we will command history, command the future, command our legacy. Hail to the Washington Commanders, uh, presented to uh, Roland Martin. So this is 136 of 500. So they only made 500 
of these um, letter these Letterman jackets. And so as you see, they got the W on the front, then they got their logo and everything on the back. So uh, again, y'all know I only I only rock my Houston teams. So this will be here in the office. Uh, Anthony Hampton, who is a big time, he works with us. Anthony, big time Washington fan. I let him try it on, uh, uh -oh. but he can't. He can't keep it. He can't keep. Uh oh. It. He can't. Keep You're it. not gonna wear it, Roland. You ain't gonna wear it nowhere. Wear it. No. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm. No, I'm not. Okay. So if Jason got like a birthday party or something like that. Right. Right. Uh, right. Uh, yeah, but the only time I've ever been to a game. At where Washington played when they played the Texans and we beat that ass that game. And of course, I had my <laughs> Texas stuff. So, yeah, I just don't. And so, and the only time, the only time, it's a true story, the only time I've ever worn another team's colors uh, was when I was in Miami a few years ago and uh, there was a storm. A huge storm hit the East Coast and uh, uh, I'm talking about a nor'easter hit. Snow, ice, everything, everything got shut down. So I'm stuck there, can't fly out. I got to be in New York that Monday for Susan Taylor's National Cares Mentoring uh, Gala. So my frat brother, uh, Lamel McMorris, his agency, they, they represented um, Cam Newton. And he said, hey, I'm flying to Charlotte for the NFC Championship game. This was the year they won the Super Bowl. He said, you want to roll with me? Well, hell, I, I could, I was like, I'm, getting clo I'm closer to D.C. by going to Charlotte, uh, being able to get to the D.C. So I flew, I flew to Charlotte with him. So I had on my Houston Astros stuff, uh, and in fact, I'm, I wonder if I even had it on my computer. I probably do. Let me go back over here. I'm walking back over here. So I had, I had on my, uh, my Houston, uh, at the old Houston Astros colors, y'all. True story, true story. Had the old colors on, and what happened was, what happened was, the old Astros colors look, I got to plug my computer up, look like the Arizona, look like the colors of the Cardinals. They played the Cardinals. Oh, that's right. That's so they so the old colors look like so I'm in I'm in the lobby and all these and, and we were in the lobby, Ritz Carlton, um, and I'm downstairs, wait, people coming by, hey, go Cardinals, go Cardinals. He was like, Oh hell no, this ain't gonna work. He said, Man, if Cam see you, he said, Man, you look like you're a Cardinals fan. So he sent his driver to go pick up, to go get me some Charlotte some Carolina Panthers gear to wear. So I was, he went and got a jacket, gloves, scarf, hat. And I was like, well, hell, see, you know, since your ass paying for it, you know, I ain't paying for it. So he went, so he went ahead and uh, uh, got that. And um, so uh, this is it right here. So let me go large. Uh, are y'all seeing this? All right, wow. so you see me. That's Roger Goodell. That's uh, Michael Strahan. That's Cam's mama. That's Cam's mama. I think you were wearing the right outfit. So, so, all right. So, uh, come back to me, Henry. So, uh, so I can't see. So, hopefully, y'all back on me. So, I, I so uh, I was rocking the stuff, and so this is Lamel right here. So again, he had a hoodie, a jacket, gloves, hat, scarf. He's like, man, look, you got to wear the Carolina stuff. So I did. So I, I'm walking back to the other side now. So I, I, I wore all that, I wore that, but then he had to fly to Atlanta for a meeting. He said, I'm gonna go to New York tomorrow. I'm like, well, damn, I gotta get to New York tonight. So I was talking to Strahan, and Strahan was like, yo, after the game, he said, I'm headed back to New York. You can fly my plane with me. So I flew, wow. I flew to Charlotte on LaMail's plane, and then, and I thought I had it on there, 
uh, for some reason is not. So then I do have a picture of me on the plane with Strahan where I took all the Charlotte stuff off and put my Astro stuff back on. Uh, yes, so that, that's how I roll. Only the home team. Only the home team. So uh, rolling, rolling, boy. Everybody ain't able. Well, you roll. That's the big <laughs> hey. time rolling. It don't matter what you got on. Hey, hey, hey. Bottom line is, hey, I take, I ride on your plane. I ride on your plane. I'm good. It don't even matter. I'm straight. Exactly. All right, y'all. So I got it. I got to end the show with this here. I saw this today. Earthquake posted this video, y'all, on his Instagram page. I hollered. I absolutely hollered when I saw this video. Now, look, she got to be kidding to Reese because there's a whole lot of cussing <laughs> in this video. But I'm, I'm war okay, I'm warning y'all. This is a triggering video. You are going to shed tears watching this video. It is absolutely crazy. And then we're going to talk about it on the flip side. Roll it. To say one thing. Listen, if you that serious about the about the spades game, don't ask me to play. Now I just got kicked the fuck up out of my grandma house, my own grandma house, at family game night, cause I didn't know I had a diamond. Listen, I need y'all to understand. Everybody don't know how to play that shit. Who even invented the game spades? They don't even play that at the casino. That's not even a real game. Motherfucker wanna uncousin me now, cause I. First of all, what is even the word renege? Like, where did that even come from? That sound racist as fuck to me. And the crazy part is, we ain't even playing for no money. We just playing for bragging rights. I said I wasn't never doing that shit again last year when my strong ass cousin broke my grandma's table, slamming the card down on the table. Cause what you got to be so aggressive for? Just ruined my goddamn night. Just made me so mad for real. Cause how you that mad about a space game? Everybody don't know how to play space. I'm one of them people. And don't ask me to play again, cause I'm ain't playing. Oh man, that shit is that's that's an abomination under God for y'all blood pressure to get that fucking high over a car game. Y'all don't even go that hard on Uno. Fuck they mean get out, get out. This my grandma house. I left though, but still, that's my grandma house. And she ain't say nothing. Straight up, for real. If it ain't deuces, don't ask me to play. I ain't playing spades. I ain't playing catfish, goldfish, whatever the fuck it's called. I ain't playing nothing but deuces. That's it. Or uno. Like, I'm really trying to figure out what possessed my cousin to punch the wall. Why would you punch the wall? Somehow, you ain't see the, the what led. What? What does that even mean? Cuz threw out the king of diamonds. My other cuz threw out the two of diamonds. My other cuz threw out the eight of diamonds. I ain't had no diamond, I didn't think. So I threw out the three of spades. You snapped because I threw out the three of spades. Cuz come right back, play another diamond. I see, oh shit, damn, I did have a diamond. Boom. I put my diamond on the table. You know what I'm saying? This motherfucker flipped the whole table over. I don't even understand what, what, what we went wrong. Fuck. I mean that shit from the bottom of my empty heart. If y'all finna get real emotional about playing a game of spades, don't ask me to play. I ain't playing. The fuck? Shit. Now I'm hungry. All the nachos over there. Chicken, Italian beefs. Ain't shit here for me to eat. Y'all done kick me out of my grandma's house. I couldn't even get a fucking plate. They should have kicked your ass out the house. You damn right. I, I can't stand people who don't know how to play no damn spades. Look, this ain't hard, all right? 
I ain't know I had a two of diamond because you ain't do your damn cards right, okay? <laughs> it's hearts, diamonds, clubs, spades. You know how you organize your damn hand? Red, <laughs> black, red, black. Your <laughs> ignorant ass probably had all the reds together and all the blacks together and you didn't know what the hell was what. Two, if your ignorant ass don't know what renege mean, don't sit your ass down at the table. She said, y'all gonna ask me to play. If your ass can't play, say, I can't play. Say, I'm a novice. Say, I'm a beginner. But don't sit your ass down, don't know how to play. Facts. And then he said, oh, you ain't know what lead? What that mean? Get your ass up if you don't know what lead. Facts. I'm sorry. Yes. Facts. And I, well, who invented the game of spades? Likely somebody black, just like Bid Whist. So you damn right. And all, why you broke the table? Well, guess what? Your ass, first rule of spades, you don't play spades on shit that can break. Okay? <laughs> this is a glass table. All right? You don't play space on a glass table. You know why? I'll tell you why. Camera right here, okay? I'm going to tell you why. See this ring? Uh-oh. See this uh -oh. ring? Uh-oh. See these Wait. rings? When you yes, slam sir. on the table, it might break the damn table. That's why <laughs> you get your ass a vinyl card table that when mm. you slam it, that shit yep. bounce. It yes, bounce, sir. okay? That's yes, what sir. you do. All right? So I went joke, and then she said, my grandma sit there, she didn't say nothing. Because your grandmother knew damn well you should have got your punk ass up off the table. So now you all mad because you got kicked out. It was game night. Well, you know what? Go sit your ass down at the kid table and play Uno or go play Monopoly or go play Life or go play all the other games we play or go play games on your phone. But guess what? Grown-ass black people who were raised properly know how to play some damn spades. Okay? Yes. Reese, got, Reese and Greg gone here. <laughs> Wait a minute. What you mean raised properly? You could be raised properly and not know how to play spades. Hold up. You stop. 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 Reese, can your ass play spades? Oh. I I do not get involved with space. No, 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 no. Reese, 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 hold up. <laughs> I need your ass to answer the damn question. <laughs> Normally, you miss damn straightforward motherfuckers, bitches, all this sort of shit, all you all. But now, now you sound like Mike McDaniel, okay? <laughs> like his ass was earlier. Now answer my goddamn question. Can you play spades or not? Yes or no? No, not with black people. Oh, <laughs> shit. Oh, hell. That's, oh, see? See? But see, you smart not to sit your ass down and front exactly. like you can play. Because I'm telling you right I'm now, Reese. Reese, if you sit out, Reese, first of all, I'm a Hall of Fame space player. I talk loads of shit. We'll run a Boston on you. But Reese, if Ooh. you messed our shit up, I would straight cuss you out. I was, girl. I, I would I would hit you with I a hot do it. I would hit you with a hot cone. I'm telling I'm Greg. Well, look, I'm looking at my decks over there, and I sit here in the middle of the night. I'm finished working, reading, whatever. And if I'm trying to calm myself down before I go I uh, bed, I just play solitaire until I win a few times in a row. Then yeah. I go to that. Now, and I can play play spades, but I tell you, you know what's interesting, Reese? Listening to Rolling, listen to you, Rolling. Every game you played. Uh, that you mentioned is still a potential fight 
We used to yeah. we, we get in a fist fight over Monopoly as kids. Uno, <laughs> Uno is still a serious game. Now, for those of us who grew up in places maybe in Florida or California, Spanish-speaking community, dominoes will get your ass whipped, depending on that. But when you say spades, brother, as somebody who can play spades in college, you should be up all night playing spades with. When they pull out the deck, I'm going to excuse myself. <laughs> because I know <laughs> you should never sit at that table. Because if you ain't ready to fight, if you don't ain't, sit hey, <laughs> and see, see, I'm about see. Here's how I'm gonna start checking black cards. Because oh, Reese, no. Reese, your shit in review right now. See, I could have lied. Just, I just, just want to be. Clear. I, I just want to let y'all know. Just so you know, if you really black, I'm talking about if you really straight up black. See, y'all saw we brought it up. And Greg immediately pulled his shit out. And I was sitting here thinking, I said, hold up. I said, wait a minute. See? See, if your ass real black, like uh -oh, black wait a minute. black, Bro, your ass keep us deck in your damn Stop backpack. <laughs> see? If you black black, see? Yes, sir. It don't yes, matter. Because when you yeah, got some extra time, <laughs> say a space game breakout, oh, you always ready. You ain't got to sit ass, damn, I wish I had a deck of cards. No, 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 no. We ain't playing that bullshit spades on a laptop, on an iPad. <laughs> no, we ain't doing that. We ain't doing that. See, and matter of fact, see, these are called the Black Pack playing cards. And see, I got these here, and they even... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I even got a set of alpha, alpha cards. See, Henry, camera right here. See, when you black, you come ready. Come on, brother. You come ready. That was a nice card. You always ready. Oh, you, hey man, you ready to fight somebody? You hey, Raw, hey, Raw, I thought, hey, look, look. They're my Negro League joints. <laughs> I keep the Negro League joints over See what I'm saying? <laughs> right. See, see, you black when you got multiple decks, multiple Sir. decks of cards. Reese, hey, hey, hey. how many decks hey. at your house? Uh oh. I, at hey, least. Four pairs of decks, because I play Kaluki. I play Jamaican Kaluki. The hell is that? Okay. The hell is uh, Reese? 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 <laughs> Reese? We ain't trying to have. We ain't trying. Look, look. Let me explain something to you. Spades <laughs> and brown liquor and oh, gumbo no. and barbecue oh, no. go together. Bro, nobody yes. said nothing. Do it. Nobody said nothing about no 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 jerk. Hey, hey, <laughs> okay. Hey, hey Roland. Well, bro, I take the brown is, liquor. This is what I was afraid you was going to say when you showed the rings. I'm thinking about Charlie Murphy and Rick James. I thought, I wasn't thinking about you slamming tables. I'm thinking about oh, you putting yeah. your print in somebody's head if the partner renege on a book. See, <laughs> you don't understand. And see, you got to have the proper cards. Because see, when you set somebody's ass, that's when yes, you sir. lick the back of the card. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Come there on, go. Bring it your on. Your ass set. Your ass set. Boom. That's how. See? Y'all, look, I'm the trying, blackest show on television. Trying to let y'all know. So when I saw that video, I said, "Yeah, we had to play it. We had to play it." And the last time I played Spades, we had an NABJ board meeting. It rained all damn weekend in Chicago, and so we playing. And the group before, I mean, they were just talking. I mean, talking shit. I mean, so I mean, talking <laughs> trash. And so we had gotten set, but two hands back, two hands forward. My goodness. Ran a Boston on that ass. Racked up all 13 books. Six Ooh. books in, I was like, y'all ass about to be toast. And it was, a, <laughs> I'm telling you. So she mad. 
So here's my suggestion, homegirl. I don't know who you are. Go sit your ass down. Go find somebody in your family and say, look, teach me on the slide how to play this game. Because here's the deal, okay? They ain't going to let you come back to the family get-together <laughs> until your ass learn how to play spades. So I'm 100%. That's why your grandmother looking at her like, oh, your grandma looking at her like, her ass adopted. Shit. shit. <laughs> well, I, in my defense, listen, my husband taught me how to play spades, but mm -hmm. I, I don't want to be put on the spot and have to repeat it. So I just say, okay, I can't play in company. I can play at home. Oh, oh, oh. But Hold on. I don't put, what, what does that mean? Okay. I don't want to get put on the spot to repeat it. What the hell that mean? Well, because, you know, if I said, yeah, I can play, then you were like, well, what are the rules? And I would have been like, uh. So I, I had to just be like, okay, let me not overstep. Well, if your ass doesn't know the rules, that means you can't play. Well, I don't know enough to be quizzed. But like you say, like you say, like you <laughs> say. Stop, 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 stop. Didn't your ass say your husband taught you? Uh -oh. He did. Well, what the hell did he teach you? How to play. Uh -oh. Obviously, he didn't. <laughs> did, did, your ass ain't got no confidence. He did, he did. No, he didn't. He taught me how to play. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. Did he but teach you? Okay, you know what? All right, all right. Okay, I'm just saying right now. I'm just saying right now to everybody watching. All right, because this is my oh, shit. Okay. Oh, when we oh. back in studio. Oh Lord. Oh. We Lord. back in studio for the last 30 minutes of the show. Er oh. Erica's gonna be back possibly likely in June. Hopefully, come on, e. hopefully Omicron everything. When we come back in studio. For the yeah. last 30 minutes of the show, we're going to play spades. Lord, have mercy. I'm going to be ready. We're going to play Lord, spades. So, Reese, I advise your ass to go visit the HBCU. Um, <laughs> I advise you to figure something out. Uh, go, go look at black YouTube. Go look at black Twitter. <laughs> I don't care. But be ready. Be I'm ready. Because you got to say, I play spades every day at Jack Yates High School before Ooh. school and every day during lunch. Those we play spades every day for four years. Was so, y'all playing for money? No, nah, we weren't playing for money. Shit, we okay. had no money. Right. Well, you know we what had, I mean. We had no money. A, a, a quarter. You know, it, it don't matter the amount. We had no money. <laughs> so that's all I'm saying. So homegirl, she whined that video. Yeah, go sit your no playing ass down. If you can't play speed, spade, just go serve the damn food. That's all you got to do. Go serve the food, go play the music, or go sit your ass with the kids and go play Uno. But that's all you got to do. But don't come in here, you can't play. So, Reese, you got, it's February 10th. Uh, Erica said she's going to be ready to come back in June. Your ass got four months to go find the rest of your blackness and learn how to play spades. That's it for me. Uh, Dr. Carr will be nice. Me and Dr. Carr. Oh no! No, listen. Yeah, yeah. I won't. I won't. Uh, nah, yeah. You know, I, I, already, Greg like shit. You could be playing with Erica. Greg look, like, I, I ain't. Greg like, no, nah, I ain't playing with your ass. Roland, Roland, you got a whole network. Can't you see it now? ESPN used to have those those tournaments. Man, if you put a spades live tournament we're on, we're gonna do a spades in a big wish tournament. We're gonna bruh, be black. We're gonna be truly, truly black. <laughs> All right, y'all. Yeah. That that's it. We got to go. Uh, Greg and Reese, uh, I appreciate it. We well, appreciate all y'all for watching. Support us in what we do. Y'all, this is the blackest show. Can't nobody touch this. I don't care, okay? You, you got light black, you got medium black. No, 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 we black black, all right? We midnight black. Uh, so download the Black Star Network app. 
Of course, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Xbox, Amazon Fire, Samsung Smart TV, and also, of course, support us, uh, folks, with your, with your resources. Uh, uh, please join our Bring the Funk fan club. Cash App with Dallas Side, RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling that, rollingthismartin.com. Send your money orders and checks to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037. Folks, I'm going to see y'all tomorrow right here on the baddest, blackest show out there. Don't forget, McDonald's Scholarship. Partner with, uh, of course, uh, seven fifteen thousand dollars scholarships to HBCUs. Apply at tmcf.org. You got until February 28th uh, to actually apply. And we'll close out. This is the photo I found it. Me and Strahan on his private jet flying back. And as you see, I put my Astro shit back on. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.